You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. This is Fired Up Browns Podcast with your host, Daniel Garrett. Today, we are joined by Zach Dietz of Giants Country on Sports Illustrated to talk about the Browns' Week 2 preseason game against the New York Giants. So, before we get into that, we do have a bit of news. Cody Parkey has been placed on the IR with a quad injury. We have Chase McLaughlin on the roster as the only other active kicker. Chase McLaughlin does have a little bit of experience. In 2019, he went 18 of 23 on field goals and 26 for 26 on extra points. And last year, he went 4 of 5 on field goals and 5 of 6 on extra points. McLaughlin has looked decently decent during this preseason. However, could see another player be traded for if they are not happy with him as their starting kicker for the year because Cody Parkey will not be eligible to return for the entire season. So, now, let's get into the interview with Zach Dietz. I'm here with Zach Dietz of Giants Country on Sports Illustrated. Zach, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Excited to talk about the past week's preseason game, Browns versus Giants. Browns won the game 17-13, and... A little bit up and down, had some bright spots and had a lot of players that really struggled and didn't play as a team quite as well as we did against the Jaguars. But we're going to get into some individual performances here. So we're going to start out here with some of the offensive players. Did anybody stand out to you, Zach, on the offensive side for the Browns? Uh, yeah. And, you know, part of this is kind of like a narrative that I've seen that, you know, I kind of I'm kind of like not impartial to, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not a Browns fan, but um, the idea that, you know, maybe you could flip Case Keenum for like a late round pick, or maybe even outright cut him and go into the year with Kyle Loletta, um, a former Giants draft pick as your backup quarterback. Um, Loletta's look solid during the preseason. You know what? I, I kind of liked him as a prospect coming out of the draft. Like when the Giants had taken him, I forget, I believe it was the, uh, I want to say the fourth round. I'm sorry if I'm incorrect about that, but um, it was either third or fourth round. But, you know, Loletta, you know, he had some off the field issues, stuff like that. But when he was at Richmond, he was really solid, man. And, you know, he's got like that arm strength that you look for. He's got solid anticipation. He's just like a safe backup quarterback. And if you're looking for someone in that mold, like, God forbid Baker Mayfield goes down at any point of time. You just want somebody that won't, you know, completely blow up, throw like a five, five pick like mess and completely ruin the whole game plan. So, I mean, if you could get similar production from Kyle Loletta that you would hypothetically get out of Case Keenum for a significant discount, I just don't see why you would not do something like that. It just seems financially ideal. 
Yeah, and Case Keenum cutting him will have six and a half million dollars of rollover cap. Actually, that is if he is traded. He has a good amount of dead cap if he is cut outright. So probably wouldn't look to cut him, but if we could flip him for even a seventh just to get him off the books, that would allow us to have six and a half million rollover into next year's cap. Again, cutting him, you're not really saving a whole lot. But if we can get someone that's willing to take him on, especially a team that lacks that backup quarterback, such as the Jets, they're a team that really doesn't have a backup behind a rookie and Zach Wilson. And so that could be a team that could look. And Case Keenum is a bit higher price. And as you said, I have really liked Walletta. I did think he was a, a bit, little bit worse in this past game than he was against the Jaguars, but I still like the way he looked and I really would like to see him in this next preseason game, get a run with the twos. That would be something I would really want to see, see if he can do a little bit there against a little bit higher competition. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, just going back to what I said, like he's a guy, you know, the youthfulness behind him. I, I understand the concern. I do understand the concern because I mean, like, we could talk about aberration years and everything like that. I'm not going to use Case Keenum leading the Vikings to like an AFC championship game as a reason why. But I mean, that does play a factor, like having that veteran presence. And even though Lawletta has been in the league for, I believe this will be either his third or fourth year, like Case Keenum has proven that, you know, he could give you a chance to win football games if he was hypothetically thrown onto the field. So I understand the concern in my my guts telling me they probably keep Keenum. I'm not sure. But as you said, Daniel, like it's a financially smart decision. You know, if you could save six and a half million dollars, you save six and a half million dollars. Or yeah, get that rollover cap. Yeah, and we saw that be very helpful to a team in our division and the Ravens able to sign an edge rusher to be able to go opposite. Their guys, despite their losses, they got Justin Houston, I believe, this year for less than that. And a couple other guys I would like to bring up was John Kelly. He uh, only played 21 snaps, but he was much more productive. He struggled a good amount in that Jaguars game, really didn't get anything going. I believe he had negative one yards on eight carries, and the Jaguars game looked a lot better. Played 21 snaps today, and that offensive line was much improved as well, and that was very helpful in him being able to get something going. Is there anyone else that stood out for you, Zach? Yeah, um, somebody that has kind of stood out for me, and just from reading reports based on how he's looked in Brown's camp, someone who, I mean, I don't like to make overreactions, but it's someone who I really did not like as a prospect, and that's a former UCLA Bruin, Demetric Felton. Um, You know, I thought he was pretty inefficient. I mean, it didn't really help the offense he was playing in. Like, it's a, it's a fun offense on paper, but then when you really get down to, like, the numbers and the efficiency, you know, uh, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson isn't the most, you know, consistent passer. And Felton struggled in his own, you know. His vision remains an issue. Um, he's never going to be, you know, like a bell cow running back. And he tested – pretty awfully if I'm not mistaken I'm pretty sure like his uh RAS his relative athletic score was somewhere in like between like maybe the 10th and 20th percentile just not very good but 
he's one of those guys that, you know, I, wa I watched him on film and when I was surprised when he tested that poorly, because I was like, you know what, I really don't, I'm not the biggest fan of his skill set, but he definitely doesn't look like that bad of an athlete. You know, he's very smooth. He's very svelte. He has kind of a knack for getting open um, in terms of like running backs. He's probably the best route runner, you know, I wouldn't say best pass catcher out the backfield, but just, just the, uh, you know, smoothness in which he was able to make plays out of the backfield. It seems like it's showing up in Brown's camp and, you know, Kevin Stefanski, you know, that offense that really likes to utilize the running back a lot. I mean, he could, he could have a pretty sizable role year one. I don't believe he did that much in the game. I think he had one cat or he had three receptions for 21. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at punt returns. He uh, returned three punts for 21 yards. And in terms of, you know, just rushing the ball, he had, you know, he was eight for 25. So 3.1 yards per carry, nothing special, but like I say, you're not using him to be some bruising between the tackles back. And, you know, he'll always have that potential to catch the ball out of the backfield. So Felton, you know what? He's been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, Felton is a guy who I believe is the favorite right now to win that returner job for the Browns. And also a guy who, when you look at him, week one in the preseason against the Jaguars, he didn't even have a rush. He was only used as a receiver, lined up a lot in the slot, actually, more so than even in the backfield. And that versatility is something that the Browns like. But as you said, tested poorly. And that was a... That was a big theme on day three for the Browns. Actually got a lot of guys that tested worse than what they looked like they would test from the film. And our guy like that was Richard LeCount, who also tested worse in his film. And they just were able to get guys that were, weren't valued athletically as what they should have been, even if it is a slight differential where, like you said, the skill set wasn't necessarily all there vision-wise. But if you have the versatility, it kind of makes up for you not being the best running back, and it's what can get you onto a roster as a six-round pick. So I would 100% agree with that assessment. And as I said, I thought the offensive line played a lot better this week than last week. Zach, what did you think of the offensive line's performance this week? Um, You know, like they did a solid job. You know, like it's preseason – everything like that, you know, the Giants, just going back to their defense, you know, they were able to generate some solid pressure. Um, I, I know Carter Coughlin had a big game. I'm a big Carter Coughlin guy. Um, Brian Anderson, O'Shane Simenez, who, you know, could be used as trade bait. A lot of people that I know that, you know, follow the Giants closely report for them, you know, the Giants don't really have a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, talented, like, they're not talented. They don't have a lot of proven edge rush talent. Zimenez has been with the team for a couple of years now. And, you know, I was never really a big fan of him. He's been super inconsistent during the regular season. So he's playing for a lot right now. Um, but yeah, just overall, you know, I thought, I thought the Browns did a good job. You know, they gave Loletta a decent amount of time to throw, uh, you know, when you're a team like the Giants that prides itself a lot from pressure from the interior, you know, just having that starting threesome during the regular season of Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and, uh, you know, they signed Danny Shelton. I'm still a huge B.J. Hill fan. I wish he got more snaps. But overall, like the pass production, 
pass protection, I was very impressed by what Cleveland does. And you know what? It's good to see these guys ball out like this because God forbid somebody, you know, something happens with one of the five starters on Cleveland's top one offensive line in the NFL, then you know at least you're not screwed. Yeah, and had some good performances, especially in that middle with uh, Michael Dunn kicking over to center with Nick Harris being out and really showed that he has that versatility to play both guard and center, going to be valuable in terms of him making the roster. And there are talks about Alex Taylor potentially. I believe it was Pete Smith suggested putting him on the IR for the year as sort of a redshirt year. He does have an injury, being able to put him onto the IR so that way we can hold his rights without him being stolen off the practice squad. And we have a really large number of NFL caliber offensive linemen, and I don't think all of them are going to make team. I think at least one of these guys that are really quality players, such as a Greg Sanat or someone like that, has a chance to get cut or traded to another team that needs an offensive line depth. And another player I wanted to highlight who's going to be a practice squad player is Johnny Stanton. He's played fullback, played a little bit of that wing back type, not necessarily a true tight end, but more just right on the right off the line of scrimmage there played pretty well. And just honestly, just does not have a spot with the Browns with Janovich being there. Just there's no way he's making the roster over Janovich. So even though I thought he's been playing pretty good, I just don't think there's any chance he makes the roster. No, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what happened. It sounds very cookie-cutter for me to say, but, you know, but fullback, it's tough because, you know, so many, it's still such a limited position in the NFL, meaning that a lot of teams, you know, don't fully incorporate them outside of blocking to the best of their ability. Like, not every team has a Kyle Juszczyk or somebody of that nature. So, I mean, it kind of sucks for these guys, man. Like, you know, they're playing their asses off. You know, they're trying to make the team, and it's just like, you did everything you could. It's just, we don't got a spot for you. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that stinks, but yeah, I mean, Stanton looked pretty good. I mean, I believe he had that nice catch. Um, I forget what quarter it was, but yeah, you yeah, definitely uh, embarrassed, embarrassed our defense, but I've yeah. become uh, familiar with that. Yeah. So uh, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball had some struggles up the middle really with the defensive tackle position. The only one I really thought flashed very well were Malik McDowell and Sheldon Day. I thought the rookies and Marvin Wilson, I thought he struggled on just a limited number of snaps, only 18 snaps. Jordan Elliott didn't look bad. Billings was inconsistent. That's really been one of the main points of concern that has been raised in this preseason so far. So, Zach, what have you thought of the defensive tackle play against the Giants? Like you said, Malik McDowell, I mean, he show, he has shown that talent that made him, you know, a highly drafted pick for the Seahawks back in 20, 2018, I believe it was. And, you know, unfortunately he had that ATV accident, really sidetracked his career. So it is really nice to see McDowell, you know, get that second chance. And it seems like he's making the most of it. Um just going through all these guys, Jordan Elliott. Um, I know, 
I know PFF like love this guy. Like they like I think they had him in like his in the in their uh, top thirty, and I thought he was a really good value for you guys. Like uh, in twenty twenty, like you know coming out of Missouri, he was a solid pass rusher. Kind of reminds me a little bit a pro. I'm gonna bring up a prospect this year, kind of like somebody from your Ohio State a little bit, uh, Haskell Garrett. You know I feel like you know they don't. <laughs> They don't really um, have that elite size, but, um, you know, I feel like in terms of just like generating consistent pass rush at the college level, like that's what their calling card will be as pro. That's what their calling cards are as prospects. That's a comparison I'm trying to make. Yeah, um, Zach, I, I'm just a little bit disappointed in you. I thought we were Florida brethren here and just called it my Ohio state. Thought we were Florida brethren here and Oh my God. Just, just threw me in with the Ohio State crowd. I'm sorry, man. I got to I, I just, for some reason, I associate um, Browns fans with Ohio State. I, I know a bunch of Browns fans who are Ohio State. I'm just like, if you're a fan of the team in the Midwest, why not be a fan of OSU? But yeah, I mean, go Gators. I actually feel terrible about this. Um, regardless, going back to the interior, um, it's kind of funny you brought up Marvin Wilson because I really love that guy. Like I thought he was like, I was a believer throughout the process. Like I didn't care how big he got, how injured he got, how crappy he looked in the games he played last year. Like I was like, this guy is too talented. Like, did we see what he did in 2019? Like we were putting his name in the same conversation as Derek Brown, a guy who was a top 10 pick and, you know, things happen. And it seemed like an insane value for the Browns. And unfortunately he's disappointed because I mean, you look at the way he tested and I know testing numbers aren't everything, but as someone who prides himself on, you know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm very like adept at scouting defensive. I pride myself on athleticism across the interior a lot. He's, he's like a nose, but he just like taking on those double gaps and stuff like that those double teams and stuff like he's just like it's like I don't know man I just it's hard it is kind of crazy watching like some of his tape from 2019 and seeing what he's the product that he's put out recently and it's it's incredibly disappointing to be honest with you Daniel like because this, this is a guy who you know maybe it's the injuries that have caught up to him who knows but he's he's just not the same guy yeah, and definitely it was expecting a lot more out of him when they signed him as a UDFA. They paid him serious, like, fifth-round type money to come in there as an undrafted free agent, and he's just been really disappointing so far. And you've had a lot of disappointments along that defensive front. Malik Jackson hasn't played yet, and he's really been the one guy that we know for sure what he is, the one veteran in the room. Billings is also a veteran but he is up there he but he is only 25 years old so not even that old of a player for a veteran just has only played I believe three seasons before he sat out last year I believe he was only played three seasons for the Bengals and so even him with his up and down it isn't like he has the long track record of success like a Malik Jackson and he's been struggling a lot and really just they've they just don't have a guy that's for sure slotted in. And with 
with Billing's struggles, if Wilson had came out and performed, I think he could have had a shot at winning that starting job even as an undrafted free agent. But he just has not performed well at all. And another group that hasn't necessarily performed well is that edge rusher group as well. Without Clowney and Garrett playing and Notak McKinley in there, they've been struggling a bit. Joe Jackson played decently well, played 39 snaps. I know PFF graded him out as 71.1, but he just really didn't do a lot as a pass rusher for me. It was mainly his run defense that was impressive. And that's a big thing across the board for all these Browns defensive ends when you're looking at the Porter Gustins, the Curtis Weavers, Joe Jackson. They just do not rush the passer well at all. They just don't haven't really provided anything. And with Clowney, you really worry about his injury history and same with Tack McKinley. So you can't really necessarily rely on those guys and they just don't have anything behind them right now. So what did you think of their performances? Uh like I said, like, it's just, it's just inconsistency. And you know what, you could expect that from like your bench play, even if it's preseason, you know, it's jitters, you know, these guys are playing for like, for for like jobs they are playing for their paychecks and stuff like that. But kind of like going back to what you're saying, like there really isn't much on that interior of the Browns uh, defensive line. And it's kind of a concern. I'm a big Browns fan this year. Like I'll just go on off topic a little bit right here. Like I do like the Browns this year. I think they're a very good team. I do think, you know, barring cat catastrophic measures, like they're going to be a playoff team. I don't personally, I don't know if they'll win that division. I still like Baltimore a lot, but I definitely think they're better than Pittsburgh this year. And obviously Cincinnati. Uh, One suggestion I would have Daniel and, I only bring this up because his name's in my mind because I saw him in the news before. You know, we're seeing uh, Geno Atkins taking some uh, taking a visit from Seattle. How do you think Bengals fans would feel if they're in-state rivals, in-division rivals? You know, do you think there's a chance maybe the uh, Browns could maybe look to bring in Geno Atkins? I get he's a similar player, a little undersized like Malik Jackson, but anything to give you guys some juice along that interior. Yeah, and I I did a podcast earlier this year where we brought up some of the defensive tackles that were available, and, and Geno Atkins was one of the first names that came up on that podcast because of his just consistent ability throughout his entire career with the Bengals and something that we got to see twice a year for a long time. And I definitely think that they should consider it, but – I don't know how much they are actually going to because they do like their younger players, even though it's something I would personally do. I don't think it's a super realistic option just because I don't really see the Browns going outside of the guys they have in that room unless there's an injury. I really think it's going to be between Malik McDowell, Sheldon Day, and Marvin Wilson to end up with that fourth defensive tackle spot and that fifth defensive tackle spot. I think one of those guys ends up making it down to the practice squad, but I really think they're going to just let the internal competition play out, even though I would definitely consider a veteran defensive tackle presence like Geno Atkins. 
I am 100% with you there on that. I just don't find it a very realistic opportunity uh, possibility given what has came out understandable no yeah understandable yeah yeah i would love love geno atkins but i just they they like their young guys and i i get this i get the sentiment you want to see your young guys play and develop but when it's a player like atkins i know he has fallen off a bit athletically but he's still a very good player and would help us this year even if he isn't as beneficial as some of those other guys down the road. And another player that I thought played well was Greg Newsom. Thought he did pretty good on 26 snaps. He still has some issues to work out. He definitely does give a little bit too much of a cushion still and definitely needs to improve there. What's some things you found with Greg Newsom in this game? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Newsom looks solid. Like I said, like corner. No, like I said, I haven't said that yet. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so th- so like with Greg Newsom, like we we all know, like outside of the quarterback position, quarterback, there is a pretty steep learning curve, and you know I think Newsom's look really good, and I really love that pick. Like I feel like I've been following the NFL draft since about. Um, I would say 2012 and I really started scouting in 2015 and you know there's a guy every year Daniel who goes in like that 20 to 32 range who I don't really see like well I don't have ranked in that area and that's not to say I didn't like Greg Newsom. I just kind of had him more in like on my personal board in like the 30 to 40 range which I mean makes the value okay at 26 but you know it's one of those fits where it's like Oh, he's not the top available top available guy on my board, but I love this fit. It happened with Calvin Ridley and the Falcons, for example. Wasn't the biggest Calvin Ridley fan. He went to the Falcons. I was like, damn, that is a, I was like, that's a good fit. And I thought the same thing with uh, Greg Newsom. Now, I feel like that's an area of concern that I, I'm sure you, you've thought of personally, like a lot of people tout up the Brown secondary. I think it's going to be awesome. Like, if it's healthy, like that's going to be awesome. But Denzel Ward, who I'm a huge fan of, I was probably in the one percentile of people who when Denzel Ward was that pick at number four was like, that's a good pick. Everyone else was like, well, Bradley Chubb, what the hell? Like all that. But um, no, I love Denzel Ward. You know, I'm still holding out hope for, um, you know, some of the other guys. I'll, I'll Grant Delpit, <laughs> safety one hype. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of flashes and a lot of growing pains. And specifically with Newsom, this being his rookie year, I think he could be solid. I mean, we saw a couple guys last year, like Jeff Fakuda, he was pretty uh, disappointing. But guys like AJ Terrell and, you know, CJ Henderson, despite the trade rumors that's going on with him, like it's not impossible to be a rookie quarterback in the NFL and like suck. You know what I mean? It's like the tight end narrative. Like, oh, tight ends year one, which I mean, it has like data to back it up, but nah, I like Newsom. I thought he looked pretty good in this game. You know, he's very fluid. Uh, the injuries will probably, you like to see him, you know, play a long stretch of games this year, not really get banged up, but I, he's got a high ceiling. I think he could be a cornerstone for this Browns defense for a very, very long time. Yeah, and I definitely do worry about the injuries with him and Denzel Ward. There is some injury concerns, but realistically, he has played 12, 13 games every year. 
he is a bit undersized and plays plays like he's a 220 pound safety when it comes to tackling and is a very skinny cornerback and that's one of the reasons you worry about injury with him is because he thinks he's about 40 pounds heavier than he is but uh I do think Greg Newsom played has played Baron Greedy Williams so far I haven't been entirely enthused with Greedy's performance so far and realistically I think there's a good shot Newsom ends up as that corner three behind Ward and Hill and I could see Hill sliding into that nickel position when needed so I could see Newsom getting some large snaps and as you said with that secondary there is obviously a lot of injury concerns with Delpit, Greedy, Greg Newsom, all being players that were injured in college and you also have Ronnie Harrison, who has in the past had some injury concerns. And as we said, Denzel Ward is prone to miss a couple, a few games. So definitely a lot of injury concerns there. But I think by the end of the season, it's going to be a secondary that's good. I think it will have a lot of growing pains early on, though. No, yeah, I would tend. I would have to agree with that. Like I said, um, just overall, just talking about the Browns in general, like it's a super talented team. I definitely, you know, I don't agree with the assessment. I'm sorry. I don't agree with the assessment. Like, I'm looking at this roster right now. I'll be like, this team's ready to win a goddamn Super Bowl. Like, you know, a lot of things, which happens with a lot of teams. Like, even the Buccaneers last year. Like, people like to say, oh, Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. Like, that was the healthiest team in the league last year. Like, bounces this way. And you know what? I'm hoping the Cleveland Browns this year get a healthy team because they're super fun. And that fan base needs – they just – you know, they got a little taste of it last year, but, you know, some extended playoff success, that would be really awesome. And I'm, I'm super excited for how this, you know, how their season is going to pan out. Yeah. And I definitely think seeding will determine how far they go in the playoffs. I still don't think they're good enough to beat the Chiefs yet in the AFC. I do think they'd have a chance to compete with the Ravens and the Bills as that second, as that second through fourth teams in the AFC obviously one of the Ravens and the Browns is probably going to end up as the five seed I think they beat whoever the AFC South champion most likely Tennessee is and then probably lose to the Chiefs so I think a outcome like last year's is very likely to happen I would say I think that's a very high possibility but The variance for the Browns, obviously health. If someone else gets injured on another team, that's very important, and the Browns stay healthy. It could help them out. But also, they need big jumps and big plays out of their rookies, especially someone like Jeremiah Usakoromo. I think with just how, how bad their linebacker depth is currently with the Phillips injury, they could have him put him on the 53 and then put him on IR designated to return after September 4th, but it's, if he, if they do that, they are using a roster spot on a guy that isn't playing till December at the earliest. So you never know if that's going to happen. And the depth behind them is just not great. So realistically need a lot out of those linebackers, Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Usakoromoa need to have great performances. The secondary will have to gel very well. 
and it would just take a whole lot to get that defense up to where it can be, where it needs to be to win a Super Bowl. I do think the offense is right about there. I would like to see another one of these receivers step up or potentially draft someone there. But you have the offensive line, you have the running back, and I think the quarterback play will be good enough. I think Baker Mayfield is an above-average quarterback and think that's good enough if the other stuff around him is there, but really needs that defense to come together. And I just don't think that defense is there quite yet. No, no, I agree with you. You know, I completely trust the fanscape Baker. Baker's a top half of the league quarterback. You guys have two talk about the value of running backs, but you do have two top 10 running backs in the NFL. Hopefully, you know what? I'll, I'll always have that soft spot for Odell. And you know what? It sucks how hurt he's been because he's probably in the top five of the most fun players. Like when Odell is Odell, I mean, that's must-see TV. And, you know, the offensive line is the best in the league, as I stated before. Like the offense, I don't have any quarrels with. There's some little spots on the defense, but, you know, Everything, everything should gel together this year. Stefanski, it's his second year. The front office has been kicking ass. It's super exciting time to be a uh, Cleveland Browns fan. I'll give you that. That it is. And a super exciting time to be a Giants fan with the Daniel Jones experience. Nothing yeah, better. Definitely. Oh, let me tell you, man. It's not even the Daniel Jones experience. It's the, uh, I, li- I like to call it the Jason Garrett experience. And also... Many people tend to forget former Cleveland Browns head Freddie coach Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens on staff as our uh, tight ends coach. I believe he was, um, I hate that I don't know this, but I my gut is telling me, I think he's still the tight ends coach, but he might have another role this year. I'm not sure. I might look that up super quickly because I, I could have sworn he got like you know, a secondary role or something like that. I'm probably completely wrong and I sound like an idiot, but um, he's the, uh, sorry, he's not the tight ends coach anymore. He's the senior offensive assistant. So that's what uh, Freddie Kitchens is now. Senior offensive assistant. Sounds like a uh, role that a graduate student would have at a D1 basketball school. But you know what? Hopefully the offense Galladay bounce back year from Ingram. You know, I, I have high hopes. I have high hopes. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time, Zach, and uh, wish the best of luck to you this season. And who knows if everything bounces right, maybe we see each other in the Super Bowl. But I'm just I'm going gonna... to leave it at the butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, Thanks. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank Thanks, you. Zach. That'll be it for us here today on the Fired Up Browns podcast. Again, big thanks to Zach Dietz for coming on the show today. We will be back later this week to discuss some Browns draft prospects for the 2022 draft. You can check out other Fired Up podcasts on the Fired Up Podcast Network. You have other team podcasts, Fired Up Broncos, Fired Up Titans, and Fired Up Giants, as well as Fired Up Sports Betting. Fired Up Pro Wrestling, and Fired Up NFL Draft Podcast hosted by Mitchell Wolf and myself. Let's get fired up.